Yes, who do we have online? Oh, the Kims are joining online, and many people are traveling today. The Parks are traveling, the other Kim family is traveling, the Noahs are traveling, Andre's traveling, so a lot of people, but we're happy that all of you are here today. So please join me in prayer. Father, on this Father's Day, we want to recognize our earthly fathers uh, as flawed as we are. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the grace uh, that you show us, and we are trying our best to raise up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So thank you, Lord, for for giving us this uh, responsibility and for giving us grace to to uh, to try our best. Father, we ask uh, now that we want to learn more about who you are, Heavenly Father. We want to exalt you. We want to get to know you. We want to understand how we can properly relate with you. Uh, so, Lord, we just ask for uh, revelation. Send the Holy Spirit. Fill this place. Give us understanding of who you are. Abba, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, please turn with me to Luke chapter 15. I won't read it right now, but just have your placeholder there. I think uh, being a father is probably the most challenging thing I've ever been asked to do in my life. Uh, I've been asked to do various things um, in terms of work, in terms of being a husband, in terms of uh, even pastoring a church. But the, the hardest thing in life up until this point is, be, is being a father. Uh, because I, I know the weight of responsibility that I am supposed to be a pointer as an earthly father to my heavenly father. And I know I, I fall short uh, so, um, show grace to your father's children. Um, Mother's Day, the, the restaurants are packed. Father's Day, the restaurants are empty. Fathers do not get much love on this day. So please, in this place, show love to your, to your earthly dad. Um, So what, what I want to talk about today is uh, I want to answer two questions. One is, what is the proper attitude when approaching God, who is our Heavenly Father? And how can I be a delight to Him and cause all the heavenly hosts to rejoice? So what is the proper attitude when approaching God? And that's obviously connected to who God is to you. And how can I be a delight to my heavenly Father, and cause all the heavenly hosts to rejoice. So first, what is the proper attitude when approaching God? And it's connected to who He is to you. First, what not to do. And so Luke 15 starts with what not to do in verse 11. And He said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. We don't want to start our prayer and, our, and we don't want our approach to God uh, to be described as give me. Uh, that's not how you want to start your prayer. We have things we have to ask the Lord. We have requests that we're making of the Lord. But we don't want to approach Him with this kind of an attitude of give me. If you are um, a couple years old, like Liliana, it's understandable to, to say give me, or an infant to, uh, to just cry. And obviously, it's like 
give me something, show me something, I need something. That's understandable for an infant to maybe two years old. But is it proper as a, uh, as a teenager, is it proper as a 40-something to come to God and say, give me? It's disrespectful. It's not the attitude that you want. Uh, it's, it's like a, uh, imagine the, the horror of a teenager who just uh, gets out of bed and uh, uh, yells out, where's my food? It's kind of like that. It's, it's disrespectful to your dad and mom. It's, it's not the kind of attitude with which we want to approach God. And yet this prodigal son, the first words out of his mouth is, give me. There are other wrong ways to approach God. It depends on who He is to you. If He's a vending machine to you and you only go to Him when you need something, then it's give me. Uh, if, if He is a, a, uh, a punisher of sin, if that's, his main, uh, uh, um, if that's your main view of Him, then you're always going to feel guilty. You're always going to feel condemned. Uh, if, uh, you're always going to be afraid, and, and this is going to be the dominant emotion. And so you're hesitant. You're, you're wondering, am I even worthy to come into God's presence? And so we need to have a proper understanding of who God is. It should not be self-centered. It should not be disrespectful. It should not be guilt-ridden, fearful, condemned, feeling unworthy. These are all... Uh, I think it just reveals a wrong picture of who God is. And maybe we got that view from an earthly father. Uh, and Father, forgive us for misrepresenting his character. Maybe it came from a spiritual uh, authority figure in your life. And so they pre- presented themselves a certain way. And you thought uh, that they were representatives of God. And, and it was a completely wrong picture. And so, Lord, have mercy on God's church leaders for misrepresenting our Father. If we jump down to the end of this chapter, uh, verse starting in verse 20, it says, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill him and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. <clears throat> to me, this is a, one of the most compelling portraits of who our Heavenly Father is. He is humble he is gentle, he is merciful, he is loving, and, and what I see uh, most clearly on this Father's Day, he is patient, he is long-suffering. Think of how long God waited for us before we met him, before we grew in maturity. Uh, think of how many decades went by in rebellion, in immaturity, in selfishness, um, and as earthly fathers, we look at our little children, we forget the journey that God, uh, that we were on and how long it took for us. And so we, uh, we, uh, we are impatient, we are critical. And so I think it goes both ways. As children who are growing up, who see the flaws of our parents, we can also be critical. And, and just to say, it is a hard job to, to raise up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is the hardest thing I've been, ever been asked 
of God to do. Because at least in marriage, Jackie and I are equals. At least we are growing in grace, at, hopefully at the same pace. We are in step with one another. And how difficult it is, I understand, for, for marriages where, where the two are not on the same page. But at least you're dealing with an adult. At least you're dealing with somebody who is mature. When you're dealing with a, a 12-year-old, a, uh, even a 5-year-old, a teenager growing up to uh, uh, going to college, you're dealing with a half-human. They're not, they're, we just have to understand, they're, they're not fully human yet. And, and yet we get frustrated. We don't understand that they are in their journey, just even as a human, just to have a sense of, I should actually clean up after myself. I should be considerate. I should, I should not be rude. I should, I should be helpful. Like these, are, these are qualities that, that you just instinctively learn as you mature and you become a full human being. But for, uh, you know, in, when God looks at us, uh, how, many, uh, how many years were we less than human? How many years did we fall short of the standard of Christ? And yet we are critical of, as, as a child to our parents and as parents to children. We're critical both ways that you're not what we think you should be. And, th- and think of the patience and the long-suffering of our Heavenly Father that He waited for us and as parents for children we wait for children to grow up into the maturity as a human maturity in christ same way for children have patience for your parents we are flawed we are incomplete we are not always the best representation of our heavenly father but be patient both ways i think it requires the character and the humility of god with long suffering with patience both ways Children to parents, parents to children. Jesus' primary ministry, if you think about it, is to reveal the Father. I mean, there's many things you can say of what Jesus did, but the primary ministry, as I see it, uh, as it described in John 14, verse 6, is to reveal the Father. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. The primary ministry of Jesus is to provide the way to the Father and to reveal the Father and one day to present you and to bring you before the Father. That is his primary ministry. And it takes a long time to know the Father. It takes a while. Um, uh, I, I, you know, for 19 years of my life, I had no clue who the Father was. I had an earthly father. I had no clue who my heavenly Father was. I had no clue his character. I went to church from birth, but yet I had no idea who my heavenly Father is. But one day, because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did in my life, finally I could see the Father clearly for who He is. And, I, and I, just, I just enjoyed, I rested in His unconditional love. I was just a born-again infant. And I was crying out, uh, I need something, because that's what a baby does, just cries for attention, for affection. And the Father gave so much in those early years. And it's all because of Jesus. And then the years went by. And I had bad examples in the church of, of what a uh, spiritual uh, uh, leader should be. And they misrepresented my Heavenly Father. And for a long season, uh, 
I lost touch with not only Jesus, but more importantly, my father. And if you are um, fatherless, you know how, how um, disorienting it is um, that you don't, have, you, don't, um, you don't have someone to look up to. You don't have someone to mentor. You don't have someone to punish you when you need to be punished. And so uh, those who did not grow up uh, with a father especially, I feel uh, uh, sorry for you. But now, in Christ, we all have a Heavenly Father. And Jesus' primary ministry is to reveal the Father. But because of poor examples, either you had an absentee father, he wasn't around, or he was the complete opposite, he was an abusive father, and you almost wish he wasn't around. You had a uh, suffocating father, a father who exasperated you, who annoyed you, who knew how to push all the right buttons. And so that, uh, for a long season, I lost track. Uh, even though I was in a church, even though I was serving, I lost track of who my Heavenly Father was. Is the volume an issue? You want, you want to raise it? Can you, can you raise the volume either there or, or over there? How, sound okay in the back? Yeah, okay. And it's possible to serve in God's church and yet lose touch with who the Heavenly Father is because, because people become a roadblock. Earthly fathers can be a roadblock. Spiritual leaders can be a roadblock. And for a long season, I lost touch of who my Heavenly Father is, what His character is. And then Jesus came looking for me. And this chapter is my testimony of how Jesus found me again. And the first thing He did was to reintroduce me to my Heavenly Father. And it took time because I had a lot of unlearning to do. It was decades of unlearning. Uh, it was not instant. Like the moment I met Christ initially, it was instant. I was an infant. The Father just came to me. But now in my, uh, after 20 plus years of walking with Jesus, the Father did not come to me the same way. And I had to unlearn and relearn who the Heavenly Father was. And so let's talk about a proper attitude. A proper attitude with, when approaching God. One is you should be worshipful. We should be worshipful. We should be humble. And we should be surrendered. John 14, 24. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Uh, and worship is not singing on a Sunday. Worship is kneeling before Him in a posture of surrender. Uh, worship is a choice, a conscious choice to humble yourself. And you can begin each day uh, saying, I am the Lord of my life. I am going to decide what, how I'm going to do this day. I'm just going to forge ahead. I'm not going to consult my Heavenly Father. And I'm just going to do life my way. You can start your day that way. Or you can start with worship, which is to get on your knees, to choose to humble yourself and say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. It is, it is somebody who is learning how to worship in spirit and in truth, having that connection. And the first thing is you're just enjoying His presence. Before you say, give me, because we, have, we start our day and we already have certain things on our, on our plate that we want to ask the Father about. We, we, we need His help on various things. We need wisdom. We need revelation. We need the Holy Spirit. We got to ask for the Holy Spirit. There are various things that we do have to ask and say, give me this, Father. I need help with this, Father. But the first thing 
is just in a posture of worship, in a, in a conscious choice of humbling yourself and kneeling before Him, you're just enjoying His presence. Before we say a thing, we just enjoy His presence. As it says in Second Chronicles 7, we seek His face. How many people seek God's hands because they want a handout? And the first words out of their mouth each day is, Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. You're seeking His hands. But the first thing we do is out of respect, we seek His face. That's like uh, inst- when you see your parent, the first thing you, you say is, uh, 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 you say good morning. You greet the person. You appreciate the person. Instead of, I'm hungry. Where's my food? It's just a proper respect. And we kneel, we humble ourselves, we surrender. We worship in spirit and truth. We seek God's face. Just being in His presence. And then we should give thanksgiving. We don't come empty-handed, but we come with a sacrifice of praise. The first words out of your mouth after you're in His presence is, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You can do life uh, looking at a few things that are wrong in your life. And those few things, if it gets magnified, makes you so, uh, so much of a complainer, uh, so much of a grumbler. Because you're focusing on a few things that you wish were a little bit different, or these, these things were out of your life, or these things were in your life. Just a few things, and your whole emotional demeanor is a grumbler, a complainer. And you are not a joy to be around and you are not a delight to the Heavenly Father. And so, of course, we can vent to the Father. Of course, we can be free. But the first thing we should do is you enjoy His presence when you worship, when you kneel before Him, when you humble yourself. And the first words out of your mouth is, Thank you, Father. And if you're starting with Thanksgiving... Uh, instead of the few things you need or the few things you wish were different or the few things that are wrong, if you can just start with, thank you for this. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that I have another day to live. Thank you that I have breath. Thank you that I have health. Thank you that I have provision. Thank you that I have a roof. Thank you that I have a car. Thank you that I can still afford gas, although it's getting difficult. Thank you that I have. And then you just go through a list and you will find if, you're, if the first words of your, out of your mouth each day to your heavenly father, to your earthly father, your earthly mother, to your siblings, the first words out of your mouth is thank you. How different would your day be if that's the first thing out of your lips? And so the first, uh, I encourage you to start with worship, kneel in God's presence. Choose to humble yourself, surrender, and seek God's face. Just be in His presence. Don't say anything. Just be in His presence. Just focus on just humbling yourself, on surrendering, worship, kneeling before Him, and just being in His presence. Without saying a thing, just enjoying His presence. Start there. That is a proper attitude when approaching God. And then the first words out of your mouth is not give me, but thank you. That's why it says in Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. We begin all of our prayer meeting after we pray corporately with what are you thankful for? 
We want to train ourselves. The first words out of our mouth in prayer and hopefully to people around you are thank you. The next, uh, our attitude when approaching God is confidence as a child. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. After you've worshipped, humbled yourself, surrendered, and you've given thanks, you don't have to wonder, am I worthy to come in His presence? You you don't have to be sheepish. You don't have to wonder, is is He going to accept me today? No, you have confidence in Christ to approach the throne of grace with boldness. And it says in Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In the Old Testament, when people did not have the full revelation as we do as people of the New Covenant, uh, I, th- I think uh, they, they saw Moses on, on, the, on Mount Sinai. They saw the fire. They saw the smoke. They saw just this incredible display of power and, and people being struck dead in the holiness of God. And, and there was a veil that was there all the way through. And so they could not connect. But there are people like Moses who could connect. But most of the people were veiled. Moses was unveiled. There are people, a handful of people in the Old Testament who connected with God the same way that we do as, as people of the New Covenant. But it, for the most part, things were veiled. And so people's understanding of who the Heavenly Father was was limited. Was, was, it's like you're seeing through a veil. It is a dimly lit mirror. It's, it's opaque. You can't see clearly. But finally, when Christ came, the veil was torn not just for a handful, but for the entire body of Christ. And we see the Heavenly Father for who He is. And so we have boldness to come to the throne room of God. And and we can see Him clearly because of Jesus. And so we come with confidence. Confidence, yes, but also with, with a proper amount of respect. Proverbs 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Those who preach a hyper grace that it's okay to do whatever you want, to live however you want, you're forgiven. I think they understand the confidence as a child to approach the throne of grace, but they do not understand the respect that is due the Heavenly Father, that there is a fear of the Lord, of His holiness, and we too must be holy. Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. Ephesians 5, verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We ask for the Holy Spirit, and one of the things the Holy Spirit does is allows children to submit the parents out of fear of the Lord. It allows parents to submit to children out of fear of the Lord. Pastors submit to, to people in the congregation out of fear of the Lord. People in the church submitting to spiritual authority out of fear of the Lord. Nobody gets to 
run around with a stick, with a absolute authority, and I'm the boss. Nobody comes with that kind of an attitude, but it is with a confidence as a child, but also a respect, a fear of the Lord. So that's, that's my, uh, the first question. How do we approach the Lord? It is with worship. It is kneeling. It is surrendered. Uh, it is giving thanks. Not grumbling, not asking, not saying give me, but first giving thanks. Being thankful. Being confident to approach the throne of grace. But also being respectful, having f- proper fear. Do His name. And so next question. How can I be a delight? to our Heavenly Father and cause all the heavenly hosts to rejoice. And to get an answer to this, we need to look at the first three parables. It is a parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. You and I can be a delight to our Heavenly Father if if we repent and we remain in Jesus. And that will cause all the heavenly hosts to rejoice and your Father, our Father, to delight in us. If you repent and remain with Jesus. Luke 15, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep and was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Repentance is one of the sweetest words in Scripture. It is not a condemning word. It is not a word of that somebody over you should beat you over the head and be critical because you're, because you're in your sin. When you gladly and readily repent on your own and you say sorry to people around you, you say sorry to, to your Heavenly Father and, and, you, and you plead the blood of Jesus, it is one of the sweetest things you can do in prayer. And if we misread this, we may stop at, oh, the Heavenly Father loves it when I repent. No, it's not just repentance. Remember, the whole point is you're a sheep who's lost, and only the one sheep who knows how to repent, and, has, has, and, the, and the shepherd finds the sheep, that's the other side of it. Someone who learns how to remain with Jesus. Repentance and remaining with Jesus That is the kind of person that the Heavenly Father delights in. And all of the hosts of heaven will rejoice. It is repentance and remaining with Jesus. And there are many people in God's church who who do not know how to repent. And maybe they know how to repent, but they don't know there's another side of it. After you repent, do you know Jesus? Do you remain with Jesus? Because the whole point of it is to rediscover who the shepherd is. That's, that's, the, the, the hidden, uh, that's the hidden person in this story, is the shepherd. It's not just repenting, but repentance on his own. If you just say sorry, and then you just go on your way, then you've, you're still lost. But you need to repent and rediscover Jesus, who is your shepherd, and you need to remain with him. Then you're found. Then you know the way to the Father. 
then you're on the, on the path to salvation. It is repentance and remaining with Jesus. The moment that you let go of Jesus, the moment that you don't have faith in Jesus, the moment you fail to trust in Jesus, the moment you're afraid, the moment you're frustrated, the moment you put the burdens on your own shoulders, that I got to find a way and find and forge a path for myself. The, that is the moment. Although you can be repenting all day long, you're still lost. You need to repent, connect to Jesus, and remain with Jesus. Repent and remain. That person is found. That person will never be lost. But the moment you let go of Jesus, you fail to trust in Jesus, you don't act as if Jesus is your shepherd, even though you spent hours in repentance, you're still lost. Repentance, remain with Jesus. Then you're found. Next, you rest in Jesus. It's all ours today. Repent, remain with Jesus, rest in Jesus. This parable of the lost coin, I struggled with it because I understood the point of the first parable. I think I understand the point of the last parable, the lost or prodigal son, but why is this parable of the lost coin there? I always wondered about that. I just kind of glossed it over. Luke 15, verse 8. Let's read it first. Or what woman... Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You might think this is just a repeat of the previous parable. Uh, in some ways it is, but I think it's, it's really reinforcing the second part. You repent, yes, there's rejoicing, potentially, if you connect with Jesus and you remain there. And just in case you miss it, Jesus says, I'm going to give you another parable about the lost coin. What is the coin's job? It is simply to rest in the hand of the woman who found it. It is a, it is a posture of resting. First, we connect with Jesus. After we repent, we put our faith in Jesus. We remain there. And now we're learning to rest in His hands. The word for silver coin is a drachma. And a drachma is a strange word. You could just say it's a silver coin. It's just a monetary. It's a, it's a currency. It doesn't have any meaning. And yet there's this weird... Uh, uh, literal translation of the word drachma. It is as much as one can hold in the hand. As much as one can hold in the hand? It's weird. Why is that another meaning for a drachma, a silver coin? And it's derived from the word to grasp. What is the point of this second parable? It's really to hammer in the, hammer home the point. You repent, yes, there's potential rejoicing. You remain in Jesus, there's real rejoicing, the fullness of rejoicing, all the heavenly hosts. You are a delight to the heavenly Father. But if tomorrow you let go of Jesus, the rejoicing stops. There is silence in heaven. You are lost again. But the person who learns, my main job as a Christian is not to serve is not to do missions, is not to do any kind of things that the church lays a burden upon you to say, do these things. Your main burden as a Christian, a Christ follower, 
is to rest in the hands of Jesus. A drachma. That's the only thing you should hold. Hold on to Jesus. Let him hold on to you. That's all that's in your hand. You're grasping onto him. You're holding onto Jesus. That is the hidden meaning of the drachma. He's Jesus is really hammering in the hammering home the point. Repentance, remaining, rest. Just rest. We are restless. Because we think out of our greed, we have so many other things on our list that we think we need to do in order to be a respectable human, to be a mature human, not to be a half creature, half human. I need to grow up and be respectable. I need to do all of these things. And even in God's church, I should, I should grow a large church. I should plant more churches. I should do missions. I should have a big platform. I should reach millions, billions for Christ. We put all of these burdens, and maybe some of them are from the Lord. But our main responsibility that the drachma reveals is as much as we can hold, the only thing is Jesus. We hold on to Jesus. That's all that fits. He's all that I need. If, if the Heavenly Father has other assignments for you, whose job is it to explain it or to reveal it? Is it our job to find it? Is it our job to, to, to pound heaven's door for it? Or is it God's job in the proper time, in His proper way, with the proper empowerment that He will tell you what to do? If we really believe what I just said, you will be at peace. You will be resting in the Father's hands. If you do not believe me, you will be the person who is restless, who starts the prayer with, give me, I, I need this, I'm, I, don't, I don't have this. We want to learn to be thankful for what the Lord gives. We want to learn to be humble in His presence. We want to, we want to be able to kneel before Him to remain with Jesus and to truly be satisfied with Him, rest in Him, not be anxious, not be restless, not be frustrated, but just rest. If He has something for me to do, He is God. He has every means at, at His disposal. He can talk to me through the Word of God. He can talk to me supernaturally through prayer. He can even be audible in, in His speaking to me. He is, he is not limited. He is God. He has everything to his, in His disposal. If there's something new He wants me to do, He can give me a dream. He can give me a vision. He can send a prophet to my direction to give me a word. I can, and, and all of these God can do. If He hasn't done it, just rest in Jesus. Just remain with Jesus. Give thanksgiving to your Heavenly Father. Think of how different your daily life would be if we really believed and just rested in Jesus. Remain with Jesus. Everything else, we leave it to the Lord. He will tell us when it's time, what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how to do it. He will tell us. He is God. He is not limited. We, we bring delight to our Heavenly Father. We call all the heavenly hosts to rejoice when we repent. And we remain with Jesus, we rest in Jesus, and we return to our Heavenly Father. Luke 15, verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose 
in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. Sometimes we learn the hard way. And we may be wondering, why is my life difficult? Why is, uh, why is there famines on every corner? Why is there frustration? Why is there uh, uh, closed doors? Why, why, is, why aren't the, the manna flowing from heaven? Why, are, why is it the rain hasn't come for years? Why is God seemingly silent? There, there's a reason for it. It's not like God can't come to you. It's not like He uh, um, supernaturally uh, opened doors for you and give you the things that He wants to give you. But, but perhaps uh, there, a famine is necessary because we, we, some of us, we learn the hard way. And it wasn't until the famine that the son who squandered everything could come to his senses. Sometimes the difficulties, the closed doors, the frustrations is because God is trying to wake us up. God is trying to wake us up because you're not repenting, you're not humbling yourself. Uh, you're, not, you're not learning to worship and, and kneel before the Father. You're not giving thanks, you're grumbling, you're restless, you're not remaining with Christ, you're not resting in Christ. And until that gets sorted out, maybe the famine stays. Because, of course, who is more... If, if, let's say God has an assignment. Let's say God wants to reach the world through you. Who is more anxious for that to be done? Is it you or is it God? God is way infinitely more anxious for you to, 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 to receive the assignment from Him to do it. But it's perhaps the reason He doesn't give it to you yet. And perhaps why there's famines and difficulties and hardships in your life is because he's waiting on us. We're not ready. We're not ready. This is an odd parable because for the son, he left the father's house. And so when he came to his senses, he knew the way back home. What about us? Have we been to heaven? Do we know the way to the Father? Do we know the Father? How can we, how can we know the Father? How can we know the way? How, what is the way? What is the address? What is the GPS coordinate so I can get there? Do we know the way? Have we ever been there? Some of us may have been there. You may have been sent to heaven, had a vision. Maybe God showed it to you. But for most of us, we don't know the coordinates. We don't know the GPS we don't know the location. We, we, we see the Father in brief moments, but we don't know Him well. And so what do we do? We go to Jesus. Because Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. People really, in God's church, really minimize the role of Jesus. 
and it's sad. They highlight their purpose, their program, their church name, their denomination, uh, their spiritual gifting, uh, their assignment, uh, their impact. They highlight so many things. And Jesus is almost an afterthought. But at least as far as I have breath in this church, we are going to highlight, exalt the name of Jesus. Because he is the way. He's the, the whole point of why he came is to reveal the Father. His whole point of why he came is to bring us to the Father. How do we know the way to the Father? He is the way. So we remain in Jesus and we rest in Jesus. How can you and I be a delight to our Heavenly Father, cause all of the heavenly hosts to rejoice as we repent, we remain with Jesus, we rest in Jesus, and we return to our Heavenly Father because we stay close to Jesus all the days of our life. And when that happens, how does this parable rejo- uh, uh, how does this parable in Luke 15 end? In verse 22 and 24, it ends with an incredible restoration. I told you it's all ours today. Repent, Remain with Jesus, rest in Jesus, return to your Heavenly Father, and the Heavenly Father in Jesus will restore you. This, 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 this is a promise for this life. Not just when you get to heaven, you'll be restored. In this life, because you know Jesus, you're being made into a new creation. He is restoring you from an earthly father who only some of the time points to the Heavenly Father. He is restoring you so that more consistently, more accurately, as earthly fathers, we, we accurately point and, and reflect the character of our Heavenly Father. There is an incredible restoration for all of those who surrender, repent, remain with Jesus, rest in Jesus. There's an incredible restoration, not just finally and fully at the end, but in this life, you can be changed. You can be changed. You're not the same person you were a year ago, God willing. If you surrendered your life, if you repented, if you remain with Jesus, hopefully there is a change. Hopefully everybody around you can see it. That is the only proof that you're walking with Jesus, is there's a change. And you can't, you can't, uh, we're not good gauges of ourselves. Am I changed? Am I different than I was a year ago? Ask the people around you. Are you different? Is there peace? Is there patience? Or are you still restless? Are you still anxious? Are you still aggressive? Are you still grumbling? Are you still half glass empty kind of a person? Or do you, out of overflowing thanksgiving, you rest and you remain with Jesus? And whenever you fail to rest in Jesus, remain with Jesus, you repent. Whenever you fall short, of reflecting Jesus' character and the character of our Heavenly Father, you repent. You ask for help from the Holy Spirit. And if you repent, you remain with Jesus, rest in Jesus, return to your Heavenly Father, there is an amazing restoration in this life. Okay, let's pray.
Please follow after me. Father, I repent of all my sins. I've lived wrongly. I've disrespected you. Please forgive me. I plead the blood of Jesus over my spirit, soul, body, mind, will, emotion. Cover, cleanse, and sanctify me. I kneel in your presence. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I don't want to start with, give me something, Lord. Instead, I want to start by seeking your face. Just being in your presence. Enjoying your presence. Showing you proper honor and respect. May the first words of my mouth be, thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for health. Thank you for provision. Thank you for good weather. Thank you for a car. Thank you for gas in the car. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for people around me who are friends of Jesus. Help me to be far more thankful than I am today. Help me to repent and remain with you, Lord Jesus. My main job as a sheep or a coin is to rest in Jesus' hands. Thank you, Jesus, for being the way. Not only the way to do life, but also the way back home to my Heavenly Father. Thank you that even in this moment, the veil has been torn. I can see the Father clearly. I shed all the wrong views of the Heavenly Father that came from bad earthly examples. Father, you are loving, you are gracious, you are merciful, you are patient, you are long-suffering. Now I receive your restoration, Heavenly Father. Restore me perfectly as I become a mini-Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you meet us in the partaking of your Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, forgive us. We are... We've lived in a way that displeases you. We're ungrateful. We ask for so many things. We're greedy. The first words out of our mouth oftentimes is, give me something. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. We, we disrespected you. We did not seek your face. We sought your hands. Forgive us, Lord. I pray that we can give you proper respect by kneeling before you each day, surrendering, by choosing to humble ourselves each day. We pray that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, not with sin, not with guilt, not condemnation, but with confidence, also proper respect and honor. 
proper fear of the Lord because you are holy and no one is like you. Thank you for teaching us to repent, to rest, to remain, to return and to be restored. Thank you, Lord, for revealing the truth of Luke 15 and why you needed three parables to give us this one point. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you minister to us as we partake in the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and, you, and you'd like to receive prayer, please feel free to come forward. If you'd like to be baptized by immersion or become a member of this church, please come forward. Uh, if you just want to receive prayer and encouragement, uh, wisdom from the Lord, um, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you.